Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt. All right, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. Today, I have Dennis Wisco on the show. Dennis, how you doing? Very good, sir. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for taking some time to chat today. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. So for, uh, you know, I think a good place to start is at the beginning and like to have you get a chance to, to tell folks about your podcast uh, and, and how you got into podcasting and what you're podcasting for. So you want to share with folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm Dennis Wisco. I'm based in uh, Aliso Viejo, California. Uh, my podcast is named uh, Wisco Weekly. And uh, this is a podcast on the customer experience for car buyers and sellers. Uh, the primary reason why I developed this was um, I've been on the side of dealers in, in automotive dealers, that is, in helping them out with uh, sales and marketing. Uh, and I'm also on the broker side or the customer side of helping them buy cars. And um, being on kind of both those sides has been a, somewhat of a challenge to um, help out both parties in a very genuine manner. Um, and so I found that uh, developing a podcast allows me to speak uh, and be on the side of both parties. And so what I've done with my podcast is every Tuesday, I publish episodes for customers uh, or car buyers. And on Thursdays, then I publish episodes uh, for car dealers. And so in this way, uh, hopefully I'm getting kind of this surround sound effect of being able to preach about the customer experience that both buyers and sellers uh, need to start coming towards that kind of middle ground on. So that's um, that's who I am. That's my podcast. I love it. I love it. I have to ask, this is the, the first time I've heard of anything like this. So I have to ask how the concept came about because this is really unique. Well, the concept, again, I guess I've just been fighting with myself for the last five years. Um, I've... Uh, my background is in general in sales and marketing. I, I worked in the uh, college athletic industry. I did uh, sports marketing uh, and fundraising and sponsorship sales. And then about uh, seven years ago, I started working in the automotive space uh, at a dealership as a salesperson. And then eventually uh, as a vendor, um, helping out with digital marketing and website development. Um, and so as I started getting into more of the automotive space and, and you know, helping, you know, I, I loved working with customers and helping them find the right car. And then not only that, just ensuring that throughout the entire process of them buying a car, it was a very easy, understandable process, which then made it transparent. I think a lot of times, um, you know, even as I interview and talk to dealers and vendors, uh, so much of it is, uh, so much is focused on the topic of transparency that it's hard to define then what that transparency is. Right. For me, um, I've found that, you know, understanding the, the legality of the contract as well as the, as well as the numbers, the financing. Um, and I, I am a bit of a, of a kind of a, I guess a nerd when it comes to math. So I'm definitely the kind of person that as I explain how um, car deals are working out uh, for my customers, if they're leasing a car or buying a car, I, I'm doing the math for them, um, either by hand or through a calculator, whatever the case. Um, so that has been kind of one element where I've um, you know helped out my customers and wanted to continue to um, branch that out uh, as much as I could. Um, one of the ways that has uh, that I've 
seeing su- success is through the podcast. I've done some other things at a very local level, but you know, it's really the podcast that's been, uh, it's helped me expand into other markets now. Hmm. So can I ask you to clarify kind of where you are in the, the dealer buyer relationship in the car world? You might be neither, right? Or, or, or as a, a, a distributor or, or where do you kind of fit into the overall purchasing or selling landscape of cars? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like the same exit off of the north or south side of a freeway. You know, so where I, where my podcast and where I really come into play is just, is, is helping those dealers and helping those customers understand um, what are the current trends and the better tips of how to buy a car, or how to sell a car. Um, so that's, that's what I'm trying to give back uh, through my podcast. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I think this is fascinating. I, mean, I think that in the business world, uh, I'll, I will say that that a lot of people that podcast for business speak to other businesses and, and not to consumers. And I guess selling and buying cars is really the the top end of uh, like a B to C relationship. Where I mean, they are consumers, but they're buying something that's ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand um, dollars. And aside from somebody's house, it's like the biggest investment. I don't know if it's an investment, biggest purchase that they'll make. Uh, so it definitely sort of warrants some buyer education. D- do you get any any pushback from the the dealers uh, when you might be, uh, I don't want to say exposing, but sort of uncovering things from the buyer's perspectives that uh, shed light on things that they do that might not be kosher? You know, so I have two thoughts on that. It's it's an answer that at, at the end of the day is yes. Um, however, the there's there's already so much information already out there um, on the internet. I mean, the this is a bit of a biased judgment, but the car business is probably one of the more exposed industries um, out on the web today, right? I mean, rarely do you ever find any other industry where you're having costs, um, you know, being so public. So for instance, an invoice price of a car, um, you know, when was the last time you ever looked at a, at a mattress or any other huge purchase of you're making, you're purchasing jewelry and you can see what the cost is to that retailer. Yeah. So, so the exposure that dealers in the car business in general have had is it, it's already going on out there. If anything, I think one of the things that I've seen um, over the last few years is that everybody, you know, it, I think this is the dawn of, of social media reviews where on one hand, when, when social media reviews first started, it was a fairly genuine intention. It then went through this very muddled gray portion of, okay, companies were just paying uh, reviewers to post these great ads. And then, so now there's almost, um, th- there's almost a sense of you, it's really hard to tell what is a genuine review or what is a genuine article or blog that talks about um, what a dealer invoice really is. Um, and so, so the exposure is already out there. On the other hand, you know, do dealers push back on the information on the insider tips? Yes. Although, I mean, quite honestly, this is kind of why I did the podcast was to a certain extent. I just, it's not that I don't care, but it's, this is, this is not rocket science anymore. This is not such, you know, uh, I'm not shining a spotlight into a criminal investigation here, right? So right. Uh, at the end of the day, this is all about the customer experience and dealerships are, there's, there's definitely a handful of dealerships out there that are um, moving towards 
um, you know, processes that, uh, that allow a customer to buy a car online, to have cars delivered to their house, things of that nature. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm furthering that cause. And, and the dealers that are pushing back sooner or later will either be bought out or they'll eventually get on board. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a transformation in the industry, it sounds like. So I guess, it, is it obvious to you who you're helping the most uh, with this podcast, I think for most podcasters, it's really easy to say, you know, this is my target market and I'm really helping X group do Y. Uh, do, is it the consumers that you're helping or do you feel like that some of this gentle nudging of some of these dealers to be more transparent and helpful in the buying process or selling process uh, that you're actually helping them as well? So that's a loaded question. Um, I, I, I don't, so I have my answer. Um, I don't know if I have, if this is the right answer and this is kind of part of where podcasting for me has been this, um, this test, um, you know, constantly developing a, a hypothesis, testing it, running the test, um, observing it, and then making recommendations thereafter. So who am I trying to help? Well, I think at the end of the day, when I decided to develop the podcast to help the B2C and the B2B um, um, audiences, um, for me, this was really a manner to which not really to serve the demographics as I am trying to serve the, the psychographs. So before I started podcasting, I, I was looking into you know, who exactly are the podcasters. And, and uh, there was this case study put out by IAB Interactive Advertising Bureau, I yep. think is the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they did this detailed study, case study. And as I was reading about who exactly are the podcast listeners, I mean, be, you know, between you and me and, and the people that are listening, the whole concept of deploying episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays for, for car buyers and for car sellers is really more marketing because at the end of the day, I'm trying to cater to the psychographs um, of the individuals, knowing the fact that the individuals that are listening are uh, business professionals. Um, they're, and, and I'm also starting to see that my audience is in a 25 to 44 range. Most of them are male than female. And so I'm trying to appeal to the psychographs of that audience, knowing the fact that my content is, um, is dealing with um, a product that is of higher uh, monetary value, right? So as you said, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. Uh, I'm trying to focus on topics that not only would appeal to uh, my audience uh, specifically in their profession of automotive sales and marketing, but perhaps there's somebody else who is um, you know, a, a marketing director at a law firm. And perhaps they can take some um, some information away of how dealerships are how they view customer, the, the customer experience. So, you know, again, at the end of the day, my, my answer on, on who my audience is and what I'm serving them is I'm really trying to serve the, the psychographs of this 25 to 44 age that are business professionals that are, uh, they have higher incomes, they have college degrees, um, and giving them information that would help them in a personal way of buying a car, or if they were in a profession that dealt with something related to customer experience, then they can kind of learn from the retail automotive industry. Gotcha. 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 I, I apologize to to you and to maybe to our listeners if we get too much into the the why of why you're podcasting, but I find it so interesting and so unique uh, of the, the angle and the approach that you're taking to podcasting. Because I think that, and the value I hope in some of this is 
one of the most popular questions we get in, in podcasting is, I want to start a podcast about X, but there's already 87 shows about it. Mm-hmm. So how can I stand out? And I think that's why I'm trying to, to kind of pick at this and peel the onion a little bit uh, because the automotive industry is very popular and the, the kind of high-end consumer market is very popular. But from my experience and my, as a consumer of podcasts and somebody that's in the business, what you're doing is really unique. So uh, I hope that this is giving uh, some of the listeners an idea about, hey, yeah, in the, the law firm space or in the medical space or in the whatever space, I could take maybe this double-sided marketplace type of approach uh, and really provide value on both sides, even though it might be a little different. So that's why I kind of got into the, the the business and the why of this. Well, the... The other side to it also, Craig, is I think, you know, there's there's still something inherent about the podcast that is self-serving to me. So, for instance, um, the last guest that I had on my podcast um, for for last season was a gentleman. He, he's a California entrepreneur um, and is pretty involved in the in the government space. And I thought it would actually be an interesting topic to. Uh, proposed the idea of how the government provides a quote-unquote customer experience. And that was an episode that was, you know, more um, self-serving to me and just in, in hearing about this and knowing about this and, and asking the questions. And and so as, as much as I like to, you know, quote-unquote pontificate on my side of the aisle, um, having a podcast has also been enriching because it allows me to um, learn from people in a very intimate setting, which, uh, you know, the, the other way of doing it would be to ask this guy to go to lunch, which is probably a little bit harder to do because it's not as, you know, there's no kind of value in it for him um, just to simply go to lunch so that he can entertain my um, curiosity of how the government provides a customer experience. Sure, sure, absolutely. I think that that what you're getting at is the the networking effect and the networking opportunity of podcasting, which is right very underdeveloped from a business perspective. So I I, I would like to hear more about how you podcast. Uh, you know, it's one of the uh, another popular question is what microphone do you use and where do you podcast and what do you use to record. Uh, and aside from all of those questions, maybe if there've been like learning lessons or improvements that you feel like you've made to your setup over the course of your podcasting history. We'd love to be able to kind of share those with listeners. Yeah. So I think first thing, the the first um, improvement, I'll kind of um, do this backwards. Um, the, the first improvement um, is a microphone um, and, or just investing in equipment. Um, previously, um, so I've, I've done two seasons of my podcast uh, and it equates to 23 total episodes. And in the first season, the first season was nine episodes and that was really just a pilot. And I was using a USB microphone, the blue Yeti. Mm-hmm. And initially it worked out pretty well. Um, and there, there's an audio engineer that I work with as well. So he's, it, he helps out tremendously because after I record an episode, I send it to him and then he kind of masters it. And after we finished season two and, or I'm sorry, season one, and I was interviewing some people, um, the huge downside in that Blue Yeti was um, you're not able to use two Blue Yetis at the same time. Um, If anything, you had to go send, or at least as I was reading, you had to go send in one of the mics to get reprogrammed, then they could send it back to you and blah, blah, blah. So that was, you know, in, in, 
having guests sharing one microphone, that was not a very ideal setup. Um, sure, sure. You know, I, either from an experience uh, of an interview or even from the technical aspect of editing the audio. So um, I finally graduated and getting a, you know, a, a decent microphone. I'm using the Audio Technica. I don't know what model this is, a P48, I think maybe. That's what I see on here. And then I also uh, have a Focusrite um, compressor, four-channel compressor or interface. Um, so that has helped out tremendously in producing a podcast that is of higher quality. That was one of the things as I was doing my own research of podcasts, um, either in the automotive space or just in general hearing other podcasts and learning from other podcasts, that I thought the audio was going to be the main difference of what distinguishes um, a podcast immediately um, of how professional that podcast is or how serious that podcast is is from others. Um, a lot of times you kind of hear, you know, now I can hear the sound of a USB mic or I can hear the sound of a computer audio mic um, be used as a method to record. And to me, um, it's, you know, I, I think it takes away from the audio experience. So um, that's some of the equipment upgrades that um, I've used. Um, what were some of the other things you had mentioned, Craig? Oh, just, uh, you know, I think uh, equipment is the a really fun and popular one, but maybe in terms of, you know, kind of process and uh, maybe not, not just scheduling, but organizing your guests. Cause I think especially the unique type of show that you have uh, finding recruiting, scheduling guests might be an interesting thing to chat about. Yes. Yeah, so th that is definitely one element. I did not think that would consume as much of my time. Um, uh, since bringing on guests on podcasts is a, you know, a great way to, um, build up the, um, you know, the reputation of your podcast as well as expand your podcast. Um, I, you know, I am constantly uh, sourcing out guests, contacting them, reading about them. Um, there's, there's a couple things um, that I've done um, as a way to qualify my guests. So first and foremost, in season two of my podcast, which had 14 episodes, um, while I was looking around at several different guests and, and some, you know, uh, awesome guests to bring on too. I think one of the things I wanted to ensure that the reputation of the podcast itself um, maintains kind of this high level was I wanted to bring in guests that could come into my office. That was kind of a huge thing because um, I, I didn't, you know, I think immediately when you start to bring in guests and you bring them in through the phone, um, I think the content then has to be very, very compelling. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm just kind of starting out in this and, and I wanted to make sure that um, the, the, at least the content of my episode was, um, you know, was of high quality. And for me, I distinguished that by having it face to face as opposed to doing something over the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly that's developed a rapport that hopefully you can then hear through the episode. So having the, the, the guest face to face was, was a big um, criteria for me. Um, the second thing, um, in terms of finding guests is, so I've had guests where they've had a great professional presence online and I've had guests that have had a professional and a personal um, reputation or, or a good reputation online. I found that the latter is really um, what makes the not only the, the episode or the interview much more engaging, but the success 
um, of that episode uh, in terms of it being listened and downloaded and things of that nature. Um, it's been more successful when I've brought on guests who have both a great professional and personal online presence. Mm-hmm. Because they are are just more kind of savvy content creators or the reach of having them on the show has been better or what's what's the upside there the the upside is the you know um the episode itself in terms of the interview is it's it's not so um in my eyes bland such that we're only talking about business Uh you know um kind of like you were saying earlier you know you don't like to talk so much about the why but it's almost like you that's what you really have to get into with these guests um in a very creative way and to get to that why you have to now get into more of their personal nature of things. You know, how are they at um, in their home life? How, how did they, uh, why did they decide to go to a graduate school? Um, why, you know, so you start to get to more of those personal aspects of their life, but then that starts to show, um, show outwardly into their pr- professional life. So when you get, when you start to get that mix, the episode itself becomes more engaging. I believe it becomes more engaging. Um, and then yes, to, to your point, then, um, the amount of people that are, that already exist as an audience is much easier to, um, engage, right? So if all of a sudden after the episode is recorded, um, I share it, uh, my guest shares it, there's already, and, and you know, he, he or she has a big following. There's already an immediate engagement from his audience and my audience. Um, for those people who only have, um, let's just say, a professional reputation, I find, I, I've found that a lot of people that I, I've, I see on LinkedIn, if they only have a pro- professional reputation or a, you know, a good one at that, um, they don't also have other areas of an online presence, meaning Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, perhaps there's no articles that they've been cited for. Um, maybe, you know, they, they themselves haven't put any content out there worth looking into. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of their LinkedIn profile and that's about it. Gotcha. No, it totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. I mean, I think that, uh, from what I've seen that, that people that have good reach and are kind of close to, the audience that's going to listen to your show in terms of where they are in their journey or, or kind of status or whatever are really the best that, uh, that help kind of grow the show and that the listeners identify with. So it sounds like kind of what you're Yeah. 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 As you were getting started, so you mentioned you're two seasons in and 23 episodes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, what were some things that you, that you kind of bumped your head with early on? Uh, and the reason I ask is not to, not, not to kind of, dig up the bones, but just to have other people maybe avoid some of the mistakes that we've all made. Uh, is there anything that kind of sticks out in your mind? Like, wow, I can't believe I messed that up when we were getting started. Um, or did you nail, or did you nail the whole thing? <laughs> You're that guy. No, I mean, so, you know, before I started developing this podcast, I actually had started up another podcast with this other gentleman, um, at this company I was working at, but it got shot down. And it, you know, that, I think the being comfortable on the mic has been um, a, a learning experience. I, I'm still not perfect at it, but that's that is really one of the areas that I'm I'm trying to really improve upon myself. Um, one of the ways that I'm addressing that now in the first season, if I didn't have a guest on the show, then it was just me talking into the mic, and 
you know, to be fully honest and, 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 you know, aware of myself when I, when it's myself talking into a mic, I'm, I'm really not that interesting. I, I think I talk about things too seriously and too um, formal and too educational that to the listeners, I don't know if it comes across as engaging enough. Um, and so one of the things I did in season two was then I, if, either if I'm interviewing a guest or if it's just uh, myself talking about a topic, uh, I have a co-host now. And so that breaks up the monotony of just me sharing in this very serious tone. And, you know, even if I do crack a joke and I think it's funny, you know, sometimes it's just weird to to talk in front of a mic and laugh. But now when you can kind of get that feedback um, from your co-host and in which I, I think my co-host is um, is phenomenal because uh, I, I, I know her already. She knows me. And so we're able to bounce things off. And when sometimes I make some ridiculous comment that probably doesn't make sense, she's either able to re-clarify it or just uh, ask a question to help or and to ask a question to me so I can restate uh, the idea that I'm trying to make. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. No, I mean, I think that the, the hardest thing that any of us can do as podcasters, especially if you're just starting out is do a solo show for I know, more than 10 minutes or something. And, and a podcast less than 10 minutes is, is kind of futile, I think, but yeah, just to have someone else to bounce the energy off of, and when you when you don't know where you're going with a a thought that that, that person can pick it up for you, um, I think it's it's super daunting to just sit in front of the mic and record something, especially if you're going to try to read it or something like that. Uh, I think that that it's something that no one that's not a really seasoned podcaster should do. I know there's people out there that do it, and I don't know how they do it. Um, it would it's not something I could ever do. Yeah, and, and you know, to that end too, Craig. The uh, one of the things that I did um, at when I started, um, you know, my own podcast here was um, I actually recorded, you know, as a way to get comfortable. I did. I committed to myself to do thirty days of a podcast episode. So every single day for thirty days, I did one, and you know, the first week, every every episode I recorded was probably. 30, 40 minutes in which it was hard to listen to myself. Um, but that's one thing I kind of had to do. Um, as I got into the second and third week, I think one of the things I, I started finding out was those episodes now I was doing was maybe seven minutes, 10 minutes. They were, they were much shorter. Um, and it, one of the things that I kind of learned out of that was as I was doing these podcasts myself, um, I had to make sure that I could take the same amount of content I was spewing out for 60 minutes and you know the challenge was okay can I condense that down to 10 minutes to 15 mm-hmm. minutes kind of thing so that kind of um practice um allowed me to get more comfortable in either me just talking into the mic or now bringing on guests and that was also the case of my co-host when I brought her on the, for this year um you know the first couple episodes she was a bit timid and then now I can't get her to shut up so right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I think that yeah, the ability to to cohesively put together a thought and not ramble on is is definitely an art and something that I think a lot of us have, all of us probably have room to learn. Uh, so that's fantastic. And and to that end too, I think one of the things that um, I did most recently um, and have been doing for the past couple of weeks now is I kind of went down this rabbit hole of learning about um, uh, imp- uh, improvisation uh, or stand up comedians. 
Um, I think if you look at a lot of the great um, speakers um, out there, the you know the more popular ones or or just the really good ones. I mean, some of the guys that I look to, right, are, are your um, Joe Rogan's, Adam Carolla's, uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, even if you get to the you know the the very um, popular culture um, speakers, Jimmy Fallon, um, Jimmy Kimmel. These guys all came from some kind of stand-up comedy background, and I started learning more about improvisation. And improvisation actually has helped out um, my um, skills as a communicator, I, I, either again through the microphone or as I'm interviewing guests. So that's, that was also one interesting thing that has come about most recently. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great tip. That's a great tip. Uh, so Dennis, for folks who want to learn more about you and your podcast and, and what you're up to, can you share where they can, they can find you and learn more? Yeah, so you can check out my website, wiscoweeklypod.com. Uh, that's W-I-S-C-O, wiscoweeklypod.com. Uh, Facebook and Twitter is wiscoweeklypod. Um, and season three will be um, debuting here in April. Um, I have some actually some pretty big guests already lined up and um, looking to do more episodes. So, uh yeah, please uh, follow along and uh, would love if, if there's any interesting topics people have to also um, comment and uh, submit some questions. I'd be happy to entertain them. Awesome. Awesome. Dennis, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.